0: Hello and welcome to episode nine of another architecture podcast. I'm George Bradley, architect and director of London-based studio Bradley van der Straten. And this podcast is for anyone who is interested in going behind the scenes of designing a house. Each episode, I talk to a different architect from around the world about how they have created an inspirational place to live. In this special episode for the Open House London event, I talked to Sophie Goldhill of Lydicate Goldhill Architects about their London-based project, Maker's House. Designed and built by the practice, it proved a hit for the 2018 Open House event, with thousands of visitors over one weekend, so it was the perfect subject for this episode. For people that don't know Open House, it is an annual event in London where hundreds of owners open up their private architect-designed properties to the public. What I love about the event is you get to be extremely nosy and you can get loads of inspiration. Due to the current situation, the majority of the event has gone digital, and I thought what better way to get to know one of the houses than to invite Sophie onto the show. I find out all about the design process and about the challenges the architects face, and hopefully in the interview I also got across some of the nosiness satisfaction you would have normally got if you had visited. You can find out more about their work and the project at com and on the podcast Instagram. You can also find out more about this year's Open House event at open-city.org.uk. I hope you enjoy listening to the episode. <laughs> Sophie, thanks so much for joining me on this um, podcast episode.
1: Oh, it's lovely to be here, George.
0: And uh, obviously, we're here as a as a sort of special episode for um, the digital open house event this year. And um, when I knew that I was doing it, you guys were the first that came to mind because I know how popular Maker's House is on the uh, open house circuit. Um, and I thought, uh, and I've never actually got to see it myself because we're always hosting a project ourselves. So. <laughs> I get people coming to visit a project that we're doing, and they're always talking about Maker's House because it's it's in Hackney, it's it's near where our office is based. Um, but I wanted to start with just um, hearing from you what you've taken part. Your uh, can I call you veterans of the open house? Um, oh, the open house <laughs> events. <laughs> I've
1: just i just but, had my my fortieth, so yeah, maybe maybe I'm in that category. I joined the club. So, me too. Um, um,
0: but what's what's special about open house for you? What do you love about it?
1: Um, Oh, I just, uh, I love the accessibility that it gives to, to London and all these sort of hidden gems that you see around. And I suppose personally talking about the maker's house in terms of open house, I think for us, it was a real deadline in in, in finishing the house. Um,
0: That's interesting. Not, that,
1: not that we actually finished it. I think the, the basement level, we just put everything that we hadn't finished out there. <laughs> um, but it, 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 I suppose it really gave us something to work for. And then it kind of at that point that we opened the doors it suddenly stopped being a building site of which it had been for nearly two years and it felt like a, a house for the first time so mm-hmm. it, it it's it was quite a pivotal moment actually for us in in that term um and it was lovely as well because I think lots of people had watched the house being built and then being allowed to kind of come in and see it especially local people from from Hackney um, who'd lived there for years and we had lots of the tradespeople that we'd worked on who came with their family so it really felt like a, a celebration of the house and the process of building it so yeah it was it was quite it was quite an emotional day that the open house we had um, a yeah a couple of years ago now
0: as so it's interesting to hear that it's it actually creates a deadline for you because it's not it's not a normal kind of house opening it's hundreds of people coming in as well it's quite a brave thing to do yeah as well.
1: we i suppose we we didn't really know um how many people would come through the door but i think we were over a thousand um over, over a thousand okay over the wow. course of two days which just uh, completely blew our mind didn't expect that at all um because we're just a, a private house um somewhere <laughs> in hackney uh and it was it was lovely and actually old friends um old tutors came um old acquaintances um it was yeah, it was a brilliant kind of catch-up session as well um and you know people that had worked on it who'd, who'd moved on from um uh from working with us because you know it been a project that'd been sat in the studio for about five years so uh, it was a kind of a, a culmination of all of all of those um people as well it was it was brilliant
0: and any weird experiences on open house any strange questions
1: um, um yeah just people coming and saying they don't like it <laughs> to us knowing that we'd we'd film designed it but I um, mean yeah, it's it's great that people feel that they can voice that that um that opinion I guess um just trying to think if we had anything anything weird not really that I can I can think of nobody stole anything it's always a good 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 uh good thing um no nothing nothing that I can think of so
0: do you think um we'll get into Obviously, we're going to be talking about the house in detail today, and mm. we'll get into that a little bit um, uh, later into the episode. Um, but just again, sort of relating back to to open house, it's obviously digital this year. People can't physically go mm. and see particularly private houses. I think some public buildings are open. Um, so we're going to be talking about this house. People are going to be able to sort of get a feel for it um, through audio and mm. through kind of looking at pictures online. But what do you think people might be missing about the qualities of this house that you get from visiting. So I'm thinking of um, the sort of physical senses.
1: Well, I think this thing is, is probably one of the most important things in our studio's work is the kind of temperature and texture and I suppose atmosphere of being in a house, mm-hmm. you know, for us sounds really important, like um, acoustic treatment um, and temperature, how the room feels. And so I think that's the thing that's sort of missing from the sort of audio and the digital bit. And it does obviously give a really good idea, But it's it's often, I suppose, one stance or one viewpoint um, that that you get. Um, But again, I think sometimes when you when someone's in control of that view that they want you to see or, you know, they're talking about a particular part of the building, that as well can be informative because it might be something that you visit and you just wouldn't you know you wouldn't have looked at that view or thought about um that certain element in the building so i guess it's in a in a kind of positive way it can focus one into thinking differently about it but yeah i think you miss that the sort of the temperature and the texture of of, of the building by, by not being there in person um, i mean nothing beats just i don't know, being physically in a space and and yes. you know um feeling it with all your senses
0: well let's do what we can let's see if we can we can cover some of those aspects as yes. we kind of walk through the building um well let's maybe start right right at the beginning um of obviously you're a husband and wife team um yeah. in the studio and um and you've got history with with new builds you started uh, was it the very first project um shadow house that of yes. the practice and that yeah. was a self build um and so this was was this your second self-build project of, yes. of your career.
1: Yeah, this was our second self-build and second new-build house as well. Um, and yeah, we, we built the Shadow House sort of a year, a couple of years after graduating at the Royal College. Um, and as soon as we'd finished it, we just enjoyed the process so much that we we felt like we wanted to do it again. So we, we, we sold that and with the proceeds bought this plot in um, Victoria Park, um, hackney um which back when we bought it uh you know was was a nice place to live but wasn't wasn't the hackney we we kind of know now um and yeah set set about designing to start with what was going to be a house for for david and i to live in and then as the process went along we saw it more actually as a development project rather than a a, a house for ourselves um so speculative development Project um, that we always knew we'd sell at the end, um, and I guess that came about from a couple of reasons. I think firstly we decided during the process of, of having the plot that we we didn't want to be in London anymore. Um, secondly, we we actually got planning permission for a house that far exceeded what we thought we'd be able to get planning for. <laughs> we got um, an extra story at the bottom and an extra story at the top. So the actual build cost for the house again exceeded our I suppose mortgage, uh, you know. What we'd be able to borrow against, and and we got really excited by the scheme that we designed, and we really wanted to realise it. We didn't want to sort of, I suppose, underdevelop the site. So the only way that we could really um, uh, procure it was to do it as a as a development, um, which in a way was was wonderful because you, you could be experimental about it um, and and test that ideas. But you sort of because it wasn't you know it wasn't your own you 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 didn't sort of feel fixated on certain things so
0: mm-hmm. that's quite that's quite a pivotal change isn't it yeah. to change from feeling like a family home to a development yes. halfway through um, because it's in, I mean there's some people I've interviewed on this podcast where they've said when they work with families they'll only work on houses if they know it's going to be lived in because it's it sort of tells a certain story about how you mm. approach the design did so for you did it change the way that you approached the design for this project in any way
1: um not I suppose not fundamentally because I think we were kind of always we kind of felt like if if some you know if we enjoyed the way that we lived then someone else would would sort of enjoy it um and it wasn't it, it wasn't it was just, I suppose, it was a kind of a broader sense of who you were designing for. Was it was it a family? Could it be a couple? Um, I mean, we always saw it as a family home, um, I guess. And in the end, the, the couple that bought it were uh, an architect couple, yes. and it and it was a family home, and, and their designers. So it kind of, I suppose, it, it was sold to what, who we'd imagined would inhabit the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose we probably would have made it. Um, it was it, it ended up being quite a kind of uh party house, I guess the kind of the pivotal point of the kitchen and entertaining and that being the kind of heart of the plan mm-hmm. and I think for us it 's a really important part of a house and I think perhaps if it had been more more designed for us more of a family home, we perhaps would have, wouldn't have given as much emphasis to that um, but otherwise, I think it's pretty much you know felt like a house that we would have been more than happy to live yeah. in for many years um, could have afforded the price tag
0: I think a lot of people would be more than happy to, yes. to live in the house <laughs> um, it, I mean it's quite an achievement what you did do with planning because it's in a conservation area mm. it's quite an overlooked site as well i mean was that part of the reason you were able to get it and other developers maybe didn't get hold of it because of the
1: challenges Um, yeah i mean we we bought it with planning for a kind of two-story muse house so i guess people Mm -hmm. sort of thought that that was um the extent of of what they'd be able to build on it and we did always think that um you know the the more appropriate response to it would would to build a a grand villa in keeping with with the house next door um and i guess yes it's it's sort of on an uh, a triangle almost it's quite a three-dimensional building which is a bit of a rarity in in London Um, and and we you know we had the ability to kind of step down at the back um, and because we kind of put the sweeping curve on it which is sort of informed by rights to lights um, requirements for the house the the neighbouring house um, it sort of felt quite a kind of uh, dominant building on the street, but also respectful to, to its neighbours. Um, and we, we had a really good conservation officer at, at Hackney, actually, who I think understood the materials that we wanted to do, use and understood our intention and, and was really supportive of the scheme right from the go.
0: And were you kind of hedging your bets then a little bit with, with the design? You said you got more floors than
1: Yeah, I mean, you, everyone does that for planning. <laughs> like you, always, you always go in for a bit more than you than you you want so yeah we 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 thought we'd have the the top floor lopped off and it was something similar happened with the shadow house where we went in with um a building of similar height to the neighboring house and we we had to reduce it substantially so i think coming off the back of that we we did anticipate that uh, we'd we'd have to lose space and so we were you know very grateful when we we didn't basically
0: so is, is there a backup design sitting somewhere in uh, some archive storage of the same <laughs> house hundreds,
1: but... <laughs> hundreds of designs I mean we um, every building we do we you know there's 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 hundreds of iterations of it we, we'd actually when we were in the design process for the maker's house we ran a little sort of charrette in the studio where we divided people into different teams to come up with different designs um which was actually it was a really wonderful thing to to do um so yeah there's there's I mean not quite a thousand but definitely hundreds of versions of it in in various iterations
0: so it's kind of quite a group um group approach in terms of design and generation of ideas Yeah,
1: i mean we like to include everyone in the design process and everyone to feel like their their voice is heard within in the studio and i think yeah the charrette was a really fun thing so i think a couple of people we just just had a, a baby i designed it totally for for our daughter Hester, so I mean, we wouldn't have built it because I think it had, to, it had a, three slides and a swimming pool and you know wow. four playrooms. But it was it was uh, it was really wonderful to see different people's responses and the kind of level of creativity. And yeah, some I think some ideas did um, feed into the you know to the design at, at the end. So yeah, it was it was a kind of fun way to feel like the, the whole studio was incorporated into the design of
0: it. Um, so visually, the, the house externally, I mean, one of its defining characteristics is, I was thinking of sort of ways to, to describe it, because it's not a typical terrace house, it's kind of, it's it's like a traditional terrace house, but it's got one sort of wedge lopped off, and I was kind of thinking yeah. it's a bit like if you took a Dutch barn and and sliced it in half, yes. something like that. But then you've also added this curve. It really sort of softens it um, yeah. on the roof. Where, where did that come from? Is that a response to context, or was there some real sort of strong visual idea for, for that distinctive um, look of the house? I mean, it
1: was derived from from the sort of rights to light requirements for the house next door. Um, but I guess a sort of, you know, perhaps others' response would be to sort of step it back. But we decided to really, I suppose, express the curve of, of the building um, and and have a number of roofs that sort of were laid on top of each other um, and yeah our daughter called it like the big slide which I thought was kind of a good, a good, a good way good of, of, yeah. descri- of describing it um, yeah and, and just to sort of I suppose break it up um, but at the same time we we didn't want to be apologetic with the facade of it um, and so it is it is quite grand and yeah um, statuesque in that response um but yeah i think the the curve of it definitely sort of softens it and um integrates it to the the neighboring buildings um well
0: and it kind of i really like how it's it feels very light it's it's like it's composed of skin so the roof is kind of laid over with very sort of thin crisp edges and it looks like it's been folded over the top and then the brickwork in the walls as well they they look like a skin that's been a apply to a kind of skeleton frame mm. um how did you achieve that and, and was that something that was important to you is that a visual thing or was was that partly to do with the fact that it was self build as well for making it easy
1: yeah i mean i think um we we really wanted the the roof to be thin i mean i, I it's sort of a pet hate as a sort of well a, a thick a thick roof if it's not meant to be thick so yeah i think the kind of the crispness of the, of the sort of almost just the line of the roof and then the exposed um timber underneath so you can also see how it's how it's made i mean a big thing of that's important to us as well as to sort of i suppose understand a building um and even though it's a brick facade um and it's a it's a steel frame building a lot of the steels obviously exposed internally um the brick i think was again a response to the context um you know is it is a london terrace street um and brick is is you know i think a good material that responds well to it we used um uh the Zumpter columbus brick which is a kind of longer format brick as a sort of nod to the historic brick that's been used next door but obviously you know, different and a kind of modern approach to it. Uh, and we integrated as well as using the more ex- the expensive um, Columbus brick, the, the Peterson one, we uh, used concrete pavers. So really mm-hmm. cheap um, uh, ones that you can just get for build base. I think they're 50p a a strip. Um, so they're kind of mixing these these two materials together. And again, I like the, the idea that we use the concrete Um, pavias which is just sort of something that you can just pick up but again kind of elevated it to a sort of front facade purpose and mixed it with the with the peterson brick um, i think added a really nice sort of textural quality to it
0: but there definitely here must be a strong influence by the fact that it was a self-build like me and you with our practice we similar to you actually we started Around the same time, when we started with a self-build, not quite as ambitious as um, Shadow House, oh. um, but the way we designed it was designed so that we could build it as well. So, mm. I know a lot of architects talk about the aesthetic of seeing how a building's put together, mm. but it it doesn't strike me here that it's purely so that people can see it in an educational purpose. Was there a part there that it's it helps it's it simplifies it to into components in order to manage that build?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're always interested in um i was about to say not overly complicated fields although the maker's house was quite complicated but i suppose in the in a in in the way that aesthetically looks as a sort of facade yeah the simplicity in that i think is important and yeah i mean i think probably derived from thinking about how it's going to be built is really important i mean we we never really just do planning applications we always you know do a building all the way through to, to completion, and at, at the kind of design stage, always constantly thinking about right. How is this going to be built? You know, limiting the trades, especially with the kind of self-build, um, and you know, I suppose not not complicating it in that in that sense. So, um, yeah, and I mean, we love brick as a material. Um, it's it's lovely. It's got a sort of textural quality, um, and especially in London, it just felt like the right the right choice.
0: And did did anything change here? As this is your sort of definitely a step up from um, Shadow House in terms of ambition. I'm kind of picturing that you were kind of there with Shadowhouse House, overalls on, and sort of you know doing loads of the work. And I'm and I'm picturing that maybe slightly less on this one, but I don't know. I wasn't there. But um, what was the? Were there things that you're like, we're not doing that again? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it
1: keeps every year. Every time we start, so I'm not doing that again. And then I'm I'm always sweeping up at the end of the day. So um, yeah, we definitely did did less. I mean, me in particular, because um, you know during the period of the build, um, we had two children um, and we moved to Whitstable So um, I did feel a bit a bit sort of um, disconnected from the kind of everydayness of, of the site. Um, whereas with the Shadow House, uh, you know, we were there every day and physically built a lot of it, well, in fact, most of it ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, and with this one, we had a you know proper basement contractor and groundwork contractor who, who started off on the site and we had, um, you know, a good brick worker and I didn't have to be the labourer for him. Um, but one of our architects, um, Mark, who, who's still in our studio, he was basically the, the sort of site contractor. He was, well, he was on site every day as the sort of site foreman um, overseeing things, doing, doing, um, orders, um, you know, doing a lot of the kind of, yeah, sweeping up, um, you know, checking on trades, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, David or I would be there, you know, towards the end, definitely daily. Um, and then there was a a big push before the open house, um, uh, weekend where I think the whole studio basically decamped and lived in the house for about five days i don't think we slept wow. much <laughs> lots of takeout pizza uh, and we physically did a lot of the like the netting a lot of the um metal I, like window reveals and internal um metal elements um so yeah to, towards the end there was definitely a lot of like back in the overalls <laughs> uh again but yeah we, we we had a lot a lot more trades specialist trades people that helped us with this because it was just a, a much bigger beast to deal with
0: I like it, the team properly getting involved. and um, Interesting you said about the window reveals because it's definitely a strength of the practice. Um, I mean, one of your more recent projects, I can't remember the name of it, but it just just really beautiful kind of window reveals and they really show that there's that experience of knowing actually how to put these things together to achieve them in the first place.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I mean, we just use Velfat windows with um, the maker's house, but I think what we did is we'd found... um, Essex, Essex Laser who were kind of a, a metal laser fabrication company and they were just brilliant at sort of laser cutting metal um, to any shape or size so mm-hmm. we, we just sort of employed employed them to do lots of elements of the house um, so yeah the, all the internal window reveals are made from um laser cut bits of steel um and a lot of these sort of internal finishing of bits are, are made in the same way um mm-hmm. right down to the doorbell um uh, reveal as well as in and the uh, elements on the door are made made with them so yeah it was it was it's i think that's what we like doing is sort of working with sort of specialist people um and integrating you know these elements into the building
0: Let's let's go inside the house now. We've talked a little bit about the sort of appearance the yeah. and the outside and the cladding. Um, and I think if we sort of take listeners through the, the front door, what I find quite interesting about the plan and, and some decisions that you made there in terms of the design is is you come in and there isn't this grand entrance hallway as you'd expect mm. um, with a long vista all the way through. And that's, that's something architects usually talk a lot about, you know, this view straight through the house. Mm. Actually, here you come in and it sort of kinks straight round to the left and there's a, there's a wall in front mm. of you. Can you tell me a little bit about the the design of the entrance to this house
1: yeah i mean i think we um you know we felt that it was a kind of um urban site it wasn't like you kind of the vista at the back was um anything spectacular so i think that was the kind of the first thought and we always like the element of surprise you know i think mm-hmm. there's something about feeling like one enters a building uh, and actually it feels kind of i suppose at a level of of kind of welcoming and and kind of cozy and and then there's this sort of you know, you walk around the 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 curb and you come into the room and it's just there all in its its splendour. So I think there's, there's definitely a kind of sense, I suppose how how um, you know, houses were designed, this sort of sense of arrival that you you know you kind of are greeted, um, you get kind of comfortable and then you can kind of come in and, and the house opens up to, to itself and it, it really is because it's a sort of double height space towards the rear, it, you know mm. there is a kind of gasp when people come round of oh wow, and I think actually if you had that right at the front door, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't have quite the same effect? So yeah, I think it was really important for us to have that those kind of uh, that, that, that feeling of intimacy at the at the threshold of the door, um, yes, and also of privacy. You know, um, if you have your shopping delivered or uh, you know someone coming to the door. you you don't want to reveal (laughs) reveal your house to them um so that's that's the kind of other element for 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 us
0: and and perfect for open house visitors as well this sense of sort of journey expectation and surprise
1: so yeah no i think that's that's um really important and the house revealing itself to you sort of slowly you know don't don't give it all away at once basically
0: yeah and um, and we arrive in at the ground floor, which is the open plan living space. And so it's a four-story house. So below this level, there's a little snug in the basement. Um, and then we've got two floors of bedrooms and bathrooms above. Yeah. Um, but the real kind of showpiece is this ground floor. And as you said, as, it, as you go through to the back of the house, um, half of the floor plan steps down, almost kind of half a level, or maybe a third of a level, to yeah. then create this extra one and a half height space um and that is one of the really sort of key moves of this property isn't it's all Mm. open plan this lounge at the front overlooks this space was that a Mm -hmm. response to site conditions was there a step in the site was there a practical reason for this
1: um no not really i think we um i think we always like being generous with with volume i think it's thing that we see time and time again especially with um you know new build developments is people sort of obsessed with square footage Mm-hmm. But actually we quite often think oh it should be more about like the volume of a space. Um and the generosity of of, of that height um just feels so comfortable to 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 be in there. So uh and we always the section of a house is always really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we never like a, a sort of I suppose a stacked plan or you know always has to be compressed areas and then bits that open up. So I think that's you know, we, we did the same with the shadow house, like trying try to take as much height um As we could when we could, but then also kind of enjoy the compressed moments um, where where they happened. So it was always important for us to to do that, and it wasn't wasn't so much a a sort of site response, um, but yeah, more more kind of feeling of how we wanted the space to be. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in design, I don't know, 101. Right at the beginning, we'd actually had a full basement that went underneath the whole of the ground plan. Um, and actually, we took half of that out to give over to the the double height space, um, because actually we were sort of like, well, what do you want in that basement space? You know, mm-hmm. you want you know to put all your ancillary stuff of of the of the kind of kitchen, like the larder and utility room, and and to have a kind of cinema snug area. But we kind of felt that it was it'd be better to give that space over to the the, the double height um, mm-hmm. area in the kitchen rather than I suppose more more dark square footage down below.
0: And it really kind of works with that journey of you've got the sort of compression of the relatively small space of the entrance. You come around the corner, you've got the lounge at the front that's one story, it faces onto the street. And then at the back, you've got this double height space with with the kitchen and the dining. And what's really spectacular about it is then because it's double height space, the glazing onto the garden is also double height and it really is sort of fantastic and brings i mean really real benefits in terms of bringing daylight into the property as well
1: yeah i mean light was really important to us that's another kind of key key factor um and before we started building we did quite sort of complex modeling where we um you know basically tried to draw as much light as we could from from different um vistas um And, you know, having the kind of the big wall of glazing at the back, especially as we're effectively a kind of, you know, a story down from from effective ground level Mm -hmm. um, was was really important. And we we managed to put a couple of um, windows uh, on the eastern facade to kind of bring in some really nice morning light. Um, so I think when you've got a deep plan, especially in london um it's in, it's important to kind of yeah bring bring light into the plan as much as as much as possible so and also you know obviously overlooked from every angle as well yes um you know that's equally equally important
0: so so how did you get around privacy with the with the kitchen area because we're we're going into a sort of double height space and there's lots of glazing you're letting in a lot of natural light, but how did you balance that as well with Privacy, because it's quite an overlooked site.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think we were lucky that we kind of step further back than the adjacent buildings, um, which helps. Um, and we've got quite a kind of high wall around the rear courtyard area. So, yeah, even though we are an overlooked site, once you're in the space, you don't feel overlooked at all. <laughs> Can you hear? In the case dog?
0: anyone's in case anyone's <laughs> wondering, that's a dog in the in the background. <laughs>
1: So yeah, it it it, um, yeah, I think that did that did um, that did sort of surprise us actually how um, private it felt when you were in it. And I think at the rear, because we step in and out at various points, um, we just always made sure that the kind of windows are angled in such a such a way that you're you know if from the adjacent buildings you're you're not really able to to see in. So um, and then at the front, we've obviously got quite a high wall. so ground floor it's fine I mean for the sort of I suppose the first and second floor uh front bedrooms uh, you know the bus route does definitely feel yes <laughs> feel feel quite close but then it's also a joy to you know embracing that and and feeling that you are in a city and um uh yeah in, in enjoying those elements as well
0: But well, I quite like how these responses also create quite a lot of intimacy in the house it's not typical at the back it's not full width flat glazing there's yeah, bits stepping in and out exactly. and then that affords kind of pockets of space for shelves and for plants and
1: yeah yeah
0: all things that contribute to that sort of homely sense
1: and I, yeah and I think in the bathroom particularly we've got a kind of uh, a clear story roof light that runs across the whole of the master bathroom suite so you know it feels incredibly light but there's no overlooking issues Uh, at all and then the um second floor we've got a big kind of north light clear story as well Mm -hmm. that allows floods the the whole story with light again without anyone having to look in unless you're i don't know on on the plane coming into gatwick so (laughs) um
0: and then in terms of the kitchen space that's in this sort of main double height space at the back um it's quite a bold design in the sense that it's a huge space but Mm. there's not loads of storage it's all low cabinets there's no tall Mm -hmm. fridge there's no tall cupboards and design wise i love how that that the countertop matches the kind of floor level of Mm -hmm. the the living room but what was the thinking behind not sort of having anything too tall in that space
1: um again it's probably a pet hate both david and i (laughs) tall units i think there's something about a kind of a clarity of a you know a kitchen at work top height and I guess I think we just feel that the kind of clutter of high units and tall fridges just I suppose yeah interferes with with the kitchen and also it's a complete joy to to work in because it feels so kind of um you know to cook to work work cooking because it feels um it doesn't feel like there's anything kind of overbearing or or coming in Mm -hmm. at you um and you know having the kind of that we had a, a tall fridge but it was downstairs in the in the utility room um, it's quite nice you have you know most of your i't your your drinks and various things like that out of the way, but you have an everyday fridge for your kind of butter and milk and things like that and mm-hmm. um we found actually that works that works really well so um yeah i think I think that's uh if we can uh we always try and and not have high units
0: and did you did you get much of a chance to live in this house? I think you mentioned at the beginning you were maybe there three, four months before
1: yeah no we I mean um at the time we're living in Whitstable well still living uh, in Whitstable um so we kind of used it as I suppose a reverse holiday home I think whenever everyone right. from London yeah. was was leaving um you know coming up the M4 to their various uh holiday destinations we were we were going down the M2 <laughs> to have uh have these weekends at our house so yeah it was it was fantastic we did um we had big parties lots of supper we did uh, a couple of supper clubs uh wine tasting evening as well as you know hosting um family and friends we did christmas there with, with my whole family which was lovely um ex-tutors around for supper so yeah we really um tried to use it as much as we as much as we could
0: you definitely got to road test it was there anything you kind yeah. of learned from road testing it because it's it's such I, I find as an architect, it's such a huge pressure on designing a space that you're going to use
1: mm. and
0: live in. You can you can li- you live with those decisions for the, for mm. a hell of a long time. Yeah, it's true. Was Was there anything that sort of stood out, either sort of positive or, or even negative on on this space?
1: Um, I think I kind of yeah. The light was was really wonderful. Um, mm. and and again, just feeling like it was quite a self contained space. I guess because we have been living in Whitstable for three years, I did find the kind of the noise of, uh, I suppose, being back in a city Mm -hmm. um, and the traffic lights because we're we're effectively, I mean, I say it's like a traffic, (laughs) traffic Island almost, because we're this kind of three, uh, well, two quite major roads on, on two sides of it. Um, and the traffic lights just coming in the, the sort of windows, yeah. um, you know, I, fe- I felt like a country bumpkin suddenly. <laughs> I'm a born and bred Londoner. So. You're using it as a
0: party house. I mean, <laughs> yeah. who cares? Who cares about the noise? Exactly. I just needed, to, I
1: should have drunk a bit more and, and, and not, not, not let it bother me. So, um, no, I mean, and the, the kids loved it. They, they always called it the big house and um, yeah, they kind of, they kind of enjoyed um. You know, having four stories to run up and down because in Whitstable we're, we're in a, a bungalow, so we live on one level. Which, which actually, again, I really enjoy stairs. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that I uh, wasn't used to. Um, But no, it, it felt like a, a really comfortable space to to live in. I'm just trying to think if there's anything kind of annoying. I guess yeah, the 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 kind of the aspect of, of just being in, in a city and not being able yeah. to kind of open the windows and. Um, You know, feeling like the the kind of noise of it, but yeah, I should have I should have just had a few more glasses of champagne. (laughs) That would have helped that, probably. I
0: mean, what something that's very distinctive about the the look and feel of the house on the inside is very similar to what we talked about on the outside, but this idea of revealing Mm. structure and you haven't sort of just done it here in one kind of token part or one sort of this is the showpiece part or the yeah. um, i mean lots of people now reference the instagram shot and things like that this yeah, house is, yeah. it's it's throughout the property it's fundamental to the design you see the exposed beams for the floors in the ceiling mm. on every level um but you also see the see the steel structure you see how some of this structure sits on brickwork as well mm. um can you talk me through a little bit of the thinking behind behind that and some of the ideas uh
1: yeah i mean it, again it goes back to us as the core principles of like you know what david and i enjoy architecturally is the kind of i suppose the rawness of exposing and expressing how a building's made um you know if i had it my way we wouldn't have used plasterboard at all you know i hate mm-hmm. i hate kind of covering up um you know i love being able to kind of see their you know sit sit in a space or lie in a space and and understand how it's all, all put together. And I think there's a real beauty in the kind of in, industrial materials of concrete and steel and brick, um, you know, always you know, always been something that David and I have, you know, in, enjoyed. Um, and again, I think if you're going to express something, express as much of it as possible. Um, and I guess because it was our, you know, our own uh, our own house that we, we could do that. I think a lot of times clients feel a bit scared um mm. by it and i i think because obviously we were the client um we we could be quite daring in those those moves so yeah um you know because it is it it does feel quite i think yeah industrial for a, a domestic house um but actually there's a real beauty in it and i think sometimes people get scared that it's going to feel too kind of um masculine or too heavy and it's not the right setting but actually there's there's there could be something really quite sort of um, yeah, soft about, uh, mm. you know, enjoy, enjoying the materials, especially in kind of combination um, together. And when you put in the domestic things like sofas and chairs and, and pictures, um, I, I think it really brings brings the house to light.
0: I like what you said about you know if you had your way you maybe would have wouldn't have had any plasterboards. Yeah. Um, um, and I like there's there's often that kind of architect challenge of something a pet hate and let's try and do a house without it. I often have it with um, with ceiling spotlights and yes, try and do yeah. a space without without yeah. using that. I mean, have you ever done that on a project? I don't know if you did on Shadow House, but have you done a project maybe without plasterboard at all? Um, yeah,
1: on the Shadow House we we, we plasterboarded ceilings but just in between the joys so that. Counts. Yeah. Um but our, our current house the house um we're doing uh, designing for ourselves in Whitstable is going to be a CLT building. Um and I'm pretty sure that we're going to have no plasterboard in it. Um which is really exciting for for us to do. And no spotlights either. <laughs> so,
0: and so this is this is um, the next generation of yeah. uh, Lydiacote Goldhill self build. So
1: Well, I hope I hope so. So yeah, and we're really excited um by using clt it's been something that we've been wanting i think even actually on the shadow house we'd we'd originally designed it as a clt building but it just uh, i think it just didn't seem to work with with the building um but technology on clt has really improved um and also the site in whitstable's perfect for it mm-hmm. so yeah we're really excited to be working with that with that material and um yeah not have any plasterboard.
0: and what what's the addiction here because this and it's going to be another house another new build and another yeah. family home do you do you love that process do you see this con- sort of continuing to happen and experimenting again on another house or do you think there will be a house that might sort of be Stick. lived in for 10 20
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully this one um would be lovely i think if we could stay this uh, this one feels a bit different because we're doing it with two other families um uh david and annie of of michael ritchie architects Ah, um yeah our our neighbors so we're doing it with them and then another family as well and we've got a lot of shared elements so we've got a a shared space at the back where we're going to have a you know communal woodshed and hopefully a a sauna and gym and um you know all all pending uh you know us building the houses first Um, and so this this feels really lovely that we're building as a community um -hmm and with friends. Um so yeah, I hope I hope we'll stay here. But yeah, I must say you do get addicted to the process. There's something yeah. just amazing about um you know the, the whole process from finding the site which is just you know really exhilarating to getting planning which we which we've just done and then you know working into the detailed design and then actually actually building the thing um it definitely yeah definitely a sort of a, addiction so I, hopefully we'll stay in this one for a bit but i'm absolutely positive that there'll be other self-build <laughs> projects that we'll be looking to move on to when we've finished so
0: well from maker's house what what were the lessons learned that that you're applying now to your next project?
1: Um, I think a lot of them come from, um, I suppose, the sort of managing of a self-build. So borrow more. You know, we we probably didn't borrow enough. And, you know, I think it it suffered towards the end um, for that. And it was, you know, really stressful. Um, So this time I think we're just being um, a lot wiser about, you know, actually how much it's gonna cost and and you know borrowing the right of money right amount of money to, to to finish it or changing the design um in the early stages to be able to kind of fit, fit the budget. Um and I think you just got to go with the flow. That's I think that's the thing. Um mm. which uh is easy to say when you're not in the throes of it. Um but yeah and just enjoy it I think is the other thing because yeah. it is a really enjoyable yeah. process. Um and you, you know when you're in it, it's all-encompassing. But actually, just to, to to take a step back, oh, and record it. We we just both the shadow house and the maker's house. You just I didn't I didn't have a kind of I didn't have a record of it really. You know, an, an odd photo here and there. But yeah. at this time, we're going to get it properly documented, and um, you know, just be great to have that as a kind of frame of reference and as a memory. Yes.
0: Oh, I love it when people get time lapse videos. Yeah, and they must set them but, up in the car. I mean, I don't know how long they have to record to capture those. Yes, yeah, so we look tried amazing. that with,
1: with the maker's house, and I think we only did it for the foundations, which was the most boring bit of the project. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just give, give give that to someone else to deal with. I think is, is yeah. Thing, so.
0: I mean, it definitely, you can tell it's a house that a lot of love went into and that it was enjoyable to do. That, mm. that come, I just think that always comes across in a design.
1: If, yeah. if the
0: designers have enjoyed designing it and, and making it, then
1: yeah.
0: it shows. Um, what was the kind of most enjoyable part for you? or, the, or, the, or What's the thing you love most about this project?
1: Um, I think it's the kind of, the, I suppose, the I really like the netting that we've got a mm-hmm. kind of a balustrade that separates the i suppose the ground floor and the and the basement area and we had originally had it as a kind of glass screen and then it was mm-hmm. i think various other iterations before and we just ran out of money so we're like what what can we do to that's just really economical and we found that net i think it was 23.99 um to have made to size and it's by a company that usually makes kind of army cadet nets for yeah. assault courses um and i just I, I just really enjoyed the simplicity of it and actually it's really makes that that ground floor space and yeah. the kids love it you know grown ups love it um and again it's just i suppose taking materials that you wouldn't necessarily think about being in a domestic setting and reappropriating them um in a fun way i mean you know i like the joyful elements of it um so i think yeah that's definitely one um and the other one is the front door which we used um, just draft excluder um, profiles that we on on a kind of diagonal um, on the on the door, uh, and again just taking a, a you know something you just find in build base and just reappropriating it in a different way to give it the sort of textural quality um, that wasn't quite as cheap and as, um, <laughs> as as simple as the as the the netting. But again, it was just—it was—it just felt like a kind of, uh, you know, again a joyful, a joyful moment that wasn't kind of, you know, overly complex. And this, again, the simplicity of, of using,
0: you know, materials. And what's the response? To those architects that that live in there—I think that's a very high accolade for a project that's a house that's been bought by yeah. an architect couple. Um, I'd be chuffed with that. Um, yeah, no, we were
1: really pleased. Are so. you in
0: contact with them? Did you have you had feedback? Um, yeah, did they, have they made changes yeah. to it even?
1: Yeah, they've they've made some changes. Um they're yeah, they're fantastic, um, Valentina and Abby. They they live in Bali um most of the year and then or and then they kind of use um the maker's house as their I suppose their when they come to Europe as their mm-hmm. Um, base, but they really embrace it. They loved to party. So yeah, they had a huge <laughs> opening party of which of which David went to um and he said it was absolutely fabulous. And they've had supper clubs and um they've actually now moved um because uh, they decided to live in London permanently moved to West London but they're keeping it on as a um I suppose like a sort of a hotel so you can you can rent the spaces um, to sleep in. They've had um, kind of uh, theater evenings that was all before wow. before lockdown. Yeah. Um, they've done screenings there. They've had a couple of supper clubs with some, some top chefs. So, again, again, they've used that space, I suppose, how we anticipated it as being mm-hmm. this kind of quite open um, house that, you know, is about kind of entertaining and celebrating and gathering and, you know, in, enjoying. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of come full, full circle, so...
0: I'll have to try and get myself on the invite list. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I
1: don't don't know. I don't know what's happened now post, uh, post COVID, but, uh, but yeah. And they did some, you know, lovely um, internal moves with, with curtains um, and uh, furniture. They've got some really wacky furniture, like a, you know, a a red cactus and a, a gold chair. Like looks like a purse. Um, so, yeah, so it was great to kind of see their their interesting bits of furniture integrated in the house, but they also bought it with most of the furniture that we designed and um chosen or made for the house as well. So, it's nice. Oh, I didn't
0: know. I didn't know that. So, it was, yeah, so it was a total
1: sold, Yeah, so we sold it with with almost everything that um yeah that we'd created for it. So I think they just came in and and just, you know, loved it as it was, which yeah. was, which was, you know, uh, brilliant. It, it, it couldn't have kind of gone gone in gone to anyone better in that sense
0: um so now i'm going to ask you um there's three questions that i ask um all of my guests and yes. they're, they're more about you than they are about maker's house um but the first one is about you and your home and what's the one thing that really annoys you about your current home
1: i think i, I it's the it's it's mess and clutter i think um i you know i sometimes look at john paulson projects and you know even though i don't I don't particularly enjoy them. The idea of just living with, with nothing, is something um, I just imagine quite peaceful about it. I mean, I've got mm-hmm. two small children and despite me wanting them to have nice wooden toys, they just like plastic. And, um, you know, my daughter likes things that are pink and fluffy. So, yeah, <laughs> their stuff, if it just mess and clutter, I think.
0: Well, according to John Porson, I don't know if you've listened to his podcast on um, Dazine. He was a guest on there. Oh, no, I haven't. And uh, he, he kind of admits there that... Um, He doesn't live that way, (laughs) or he doesn't now. He's changed.
1: Oh, yeah. I think. I mean, it would. I I think I'd find it quite oppressive to live like that. But just sometimes, I just think, oh, I just. I wish there wasn't even a plant for me to water, or you know, it was just a a table and a chair and a pen or a book or something.
0: But is that is that because you're because you're in a bungalow now in Whitstable? Is is it because you haven't? fully sort of done that project and had the opportunity to design Um, for it
1: no i mean i think the project feels nice that we've got but um i think we just have a habit of kind of accumulating stuff Well, i think Mm -hmm. you know maybe it's just us but you know i see nice things and you know i've I've become a bit of a of a plant addict as well so you know our our house is is definitely kind of bursting to capacity and i do Mm -hmm. sometimes think oh it would just be nice if we could i don't have have moments of, of of calm in mm-hmm. it so and especially with when you've got kids and um you know their their kind of clutter i mean so it's maybe maybe better storage
0: mm-hmm. would be
1: would would solve that problem so
0: um and what about a home that you've visited that's really inspired you if you could describe me one and and why
1: um well obviously obviously my our own ones um <laughs> <laughs> good but um just before lockdown actually we we went to chicago uh, to boston to um, stay with some friends of ours, we went to the Gropius house, um, which was yeah, it was it was really fantastic. I think to be able to go into a house that had been gifted um with all its context contents in it. Um, so you know the original artwork, even mm-hmm. the kind of dresses in the cupboard, um and so that was wonderful. And I think what I really enjoyed about that was that the the sort of study was at the heart of the plan. Um, I know it kind of felt like the sort of the soul of the building um so yeah that was that was sort of and in, this is um
0: Walter Gropius the yes exactly kind of one of the founders so, of modernism yes um, exactly so a very kind of so, minimal
1: yes interior. yeah it was it was it was minimal but it did it had a lot of you know of of, of objects and mm-hmm. um you know beautiful bits of of art and um you know, I think it was really nice to see those in the context and his study had, you know, his books and his drawings out and um, there was kind of, there was two entrances as well. One, because um, he was a, a lecturer at Harvard, so there was one entrance for his students to to kind of come in and then one, a f- formal entrance right. for guests and visitors and then another one for the sort of, um, you know, his his wife at, at, at the back. So it, it wasn't a particularly big house. And again, I kind of enjoyed that, the fact that they had sort of really lovely moments of um, enjoying the kind of vista or kind of architectural details, but without it being particularly grand um, and over, overly kind of um, complicated. And so yeah, and the simplicity of it.
0: Inspiration for a home study at the heart of the house. I mean, the home study yes. is, is the number one item on people's agenda now. Exactly.
1: If only if I, you know, this was obviously February before um, we'd realised the importance of it all. But yeah, you, mm-hmm. you come in the house and almost the first room you come into is, is the study and it's mm-hmm. almost as big as the living room. Um, you know, and actually got David and I discussing, you know, how much work we do at home and how we tend to, you know, obviously in the age of laptops and, and, you know, the ability to, uh, move things around that you don't you know, necessarily have kind of fixed spaces, but there was something really mm-hmm. wonderful about, you know, having a dedicated desk, um, for him to work at and, mm-hmm. you know, for his, his wife as well that, you know, was quite generous in its kind of area and, you know, I suppose showed the importance of the work in in their kind of family family home. So yeah, definitely something to think about.
0: Um and I know that, you know, you got we've talked about how you guys design and build your own homes and, and you're on iteration four is it now um yes. but if if you could choose any designer that well, it wasn't yourselves um to design your home who would you choose
1: uh i mean he wouldn't want to live in a lautner house really <laughs> um but uh you know lautner or Karl, I'd be very happy with them, but you know, they're not alive anymore. So
0: you are uh, allowed no, you're allowed to bring people back to, to the dead. Yeah, and right. I think we've actually had both of those before on, on previous uh, episodes as well. Yeah. Well actually Khan, I think was me. That was my choice. Yeah.
1: But um so oh, I mean we're really at the moment we're really enjoying um Vincent van Dyson's work. The Belgian um, architect. Yeah, Belgian. Yeah. And then Axel von von Voigt, um, who's an interior designer. Um we've really I think in our, our house and whitstable were drawing a lot of inspiration from from those two i think just there's a kind of subtle texture in uh, the way that they use materials mm-hmm. um and again the kind of simplicity to them and um yeah but yeah i, I ultimately you know a in a house in the hollywood hills that would be that would be pretty good
0: well uh, sophie thank you so much for for joining me for this um this one-off um open house episode
1: Oh, no, it's been brilliant. Lovely idea and really enjoyed talking with you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to find out more about Makers House and Gold Goldhill Architects, then please visit our website at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com, where you will find links to their work. And try out the podcast Instagram to see work of all my guests and sneak previews of upcoming guests. You can also find out more about Open House at open-city.org.uk. If you enjoyed listening to the episode, then please subscribe on iTunes or whichever platform you are listening on, as it's a great way to be notified about future episodes. I look forward to you joining me for the next episode, and thanks again for listening.